sign of faith, and we're going to bless them together. Heavenly Father, your gifts are amazing. Thank you for handpicking Noah. Thank you for creating him in his mother's womb. Thank you for making him as he is. He is wonderful. He is wonderfully and fearfully made. Father, I thank you that gentleness will be his strength. And Lord, many people will encounter the gentleness of Jesus through him. And we praise you for that. Thank you, God. Thank you. Father, thank you that we are better because of Noah. And this world is better because of Noah. This family is better because of Noah. These parents are better because of Noah. He's a gift. And this day we dedicate him to you. Even as we acknowledge he's from you, we pray that your hand would be upon him from this day forward. The joy of the Lord would be his strength. In the name of Jesus, protect him, Father. When mom and dad can't be with them to protect him, would you be there, God? Would you walk in his side? Would you keep him from harm? Would your hand be upon him? Would you orchestrate his steps? And indeed, would you make his pathway broad so that his feet will not slip? <laughs> Father, thank you for Noah's spirit that reacts to your spirit. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Together as the body of Christ, we bless this we one. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to hand you back to you, and then I want to bring quickly over this to you. Heavenly Father, Thank you for Nick and Sarah. Thank you that, um, that your grace is sufficient for them. And even if you have called them to this role of parents, you will give them wisdom through every season of life. And Father, you will whisper through them, you will love through them, and you will ultimately give them the grace to lead Noah to Jesus so that he will walk straight with you and for you. So we bless Nick and Sarah this day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you, Noah. Sarah. I think Keith's going to come up. That's all right. That's wonderful. Bless you, and Sarah, Rowan, and Noah. And I wrote some notes down, and I still think that I'm the best boss ever in the offering, the best new offering. Um, we already did the reading. We already did the reading. We gave God out of what He gives us, and that's probably wonderful. If you're a guest, you won't feel compelled to do that. Um, but we have a body and gift of God because we love it. Right. Uh, did anybody not get a bulletin this morning? I think we had a box. Um, I'm not going to dive right into them. There's some on the there's all these upcoming events. There's some really cool events coming up. I encourage you to read that. You can cheat up just see that. Because we go in here. There goes my notes. Uh, for the president. Uh, 
there is Sunday school today, right? So, shall we talk all the children up to release them to each other? Do we all want to stay in one of the rooms? No, they won't come. They go. Kids can come on up to Sunday school. Usually, this is where the race happens. Who's going to see here first? I think it's about to stop and I see a few more heads come. This is great. You guys ready to go to Sunday school? Can I pray for you? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the children. We understand how important they are to you. We just ask that as they go, that you go with them, that you help them learn about all the love that you have for us. Yes. What you and your son have done for us. Holy Spirit, Okay. So I'm going to turn the service back over to Rod, who will then in turn. Thanks, Keith. Now, I'm curious, how many have been to an ordination service before? Some of you, many of you, are very impressed. That means you have kicked around churches for a while. That's perfect. Thank you. Um, it's not something we do really frequently, because it's such a sacred and amazing time. It only happens once in an individual's life, um, in particular that when that individual is called to ministry. Um, so it's, it's a huge and it's a monumental time. So we, I, I just want to say, first of all, that, that Cheryl and I are honored to be here today. Um, obviously for the ordination, but also just to interact with you. What a great church you are. You really are. You, you really need to sit up straight and feel, feel amazed at whatever that looks like. Um, there's, there's a sense of life and vitality and joy and optimism in the place. And, and I love that about you. So thank you. God's plans for this church and this community are amazing. And you're moving in the right direction. Keep going, keep going, keep going. The word ordination comes from the Latin word which means to place or to put in order. And in our, I'm going to read some stuff that sounds really official here, but it, what, what it does is it keeps, it provides banks of, of policy for us to move in as a group of churches. Um, this church belongs to a family of churches, of about 120 churches from across Canada. And, and this is consistent for all of our churches and for all of our leaders, um, especially around ordination. Ordination is the human recognition. How many are human? Okay, we've got a few aliens in the place. We love you too. Ordination is the human recognition, so you and I, recognizing the call and giftings of God in the life of an individual. Anybody recognize the call and the giftings of God in Nick and 
Oscar Nett? Yeah, like, so, so that's what ordination is. It's, it's you and I recognizing the God call on this guy. Therefore, ordination is not something that one applies for, but something that is recognized by those who have spiritual authority in one's life. And people who have spiritual authority in Pastor Nick's life, we recognize that call of God upon you, Nick. It's not even a question mark. It's like an exclamation mark more. It's like, of course. Your local church recognizes it, right? And your local leadership recognizes it, right? This district recognizes that? Members of this district, I'm going to read an email from Randy Wendell in a moment. Um, our, our Apostolic Church of Pentecost family of churches recognizes the call of God on you. You are highly esteemed from coast to coast. There's a recognition. Our National Apostolic Team recognizes that call. Myself and Wes Mills and Ken Parker and Stan Powers and Dave Wicks. We represent regions which represent churches which represent about 18,000 people um, that belong in ACOP. And we all put our collective voice behind the statement that we believe the call of God is upon you. Our team in Toronto asked if I would pass on greetings as well. Daniel and Anna. Saying, tell Nathan Sarah, we love them. Wish we could be there. We're saying you can't be there because we have to be there and you need to stay home and leave the service. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Wendell passed this on um, this morning and asked if I would read it. So I'll read it quickly here. Hello, Nicholas, Sarah, and Friday Church family. Just a quick note to say congratulations, Nick and Sarah, on your ordination today. I wish we could have been there to honor you on this day, but have been laid off the last few days of the flu. It's good to recognize the next step of the call of God in your life. You have earned it. Whenever we lay hands on people and pray over them, a number of thoughts go through our mind. Thoughts like, many important choices were made on this person's life journey that got them to this point. Good choices, which have shown character and a willingness to follow the Lord's leading, which are just a few of them. Thoughts like, they have demonstrated good leadership, servant heart, and do a good job of using their gifts and talents God has given them. I've been able to walk with you these last few years and observe you do these things well. And final thoughts that these kind of people are generally surrounded by family and friends and support and encourage them on getting to these significant moments in their life. You've had that in your biological and spiritual family, and I honor you driving church for the awesome job you're doing. The choices you made and support you gave to get to this day together with him. This day is a reflection of a job well done by all involved. Could say more, but we'll close with Leslie and I pray that God's presence, affirmation, and goodness will be over all you do and all that will be said there today. Lots of blessings to you all, Randy and Leslie. In some organizations, um, ordination happens right after Bible college or seminary. But in ACOP, it occurs after at least two years as a licensed member because we believe there's value in proving oneself in ministry. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. 
And faithfulness is not proven by writing a paper. Faithfulness is proven in the arena of life. And that's where you have proven yourself faithful, in the arena of life. That's why why, why I love that ordination services, ideally, I think, are held in the local church, because it's in the place of proof. Thank you for being faithful. Are are we kind of seeing the magnitude of what we're doing today? That that what, what this ordination service isn't just something that we woke up a week ago and thought, eh, you know, Nick should really get ordained. <laughs> Let's just throw it together and can somebody order a cake, you know? No way. This has been in process for years. And and the the, the proving, the betting has has been deep. And there's huge affirmation that has happened. Pastor Nick has clearly met the requirements of ordination as set out by our fellowship churches, that they have evidence of one of the fivefold ministry gifts. Nick's a great pastor. Anybody notice that? Nick, the people who are clapping are people who know you well. They affirm that statement. You're a great pastor. Oh my goodness. So the requirements. They have to be one of the five have five one of the fivefold ministry gifts. Check. They must exhibit the characteristics of overseers listed in first and second Timothy. Check. Be a mature individual with adequate experience in a ministry role. Absolutely. Be developing leadership skills. Yes. Demonstrate fruitfulness. Absolutely. I look around this place and I say, yes, it's fruitfulness. And evidence a commitment to lifelong learning and personal growth. Nick, I command the growth in you. It's been beautiful. And so in a little while, we are going to lay hands on Nick and we are going to ordain him in ministry. And, and as part of that, we will confer on him the title of reverend, though you don't have to call him that all of the time. But for a little while, it's just kind of fun. <laughs> and and we get to be part of that momentous day. Isn't that isn't that great? Like we get to be part of it. It's so cool. It's more than a title. It's about marking in history the day that we together said we believe in the work that God has done in Nick's life. It marks the day we said that. And it marks the day that we say we believe in the work that God desires to yet do through Nick's life. And Nick, in dark times ahead, when the enemy comes in like a flood, because he's really good at that. Our prayer is that you'll look back at this day and be reminded that the hand of the Lord is upon you, because God said so. And we who are gathered here together, together said, Amen. Amen. We see that too. Our ACOP President, Wes Mills, is going to come and share the word with us at this time. Please welcome him as he comes. Thanks a lot. And uh, it's a privilege to be here with you at 
tried to pull the bus to the church. I've been here a couple of times before. It's when there's something big happening that I get to come. So it's kind of a special uh, thing for me. Last time I was here, you were dedicating a new building, and I think it was your 50th anniversary. And I was here for Al Huckabee's ordination. That's a long time ago. So I'm in here, but I became here since seems six. Good to be with you. We're grateful for the partnership and the gospel that we share with the Triumphal Gospel Church. You're part of the ACMP family, as Roz already mentioned, and uh, we're just glad that you're part of the family. It's a big family. Uh, I mentioned 120 churches in Canada, 15,000 people. Uh, but around the world, we're 1,250 congregations that are part of our fellowship in 26 countries. So it's a big family. Yeah. Glad you're part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, when families go through crisis, they pull together. And uh, most of you have heard about the terrible bus accident in northern Saskatchewan. Yeah. And uh, the Apostolic Church in Nippewa opened its doors on Friday night to families to come in and gather there. And we had an email this morning from the pastor's wife. He said, We've got about two hours in the past 24 hours just spending time uh, with people. And some other folks that are part of our fellowship. Or being part of an interdenominational service in Humboldt this evening tonight to comfort families there. And then another couple who is part of ACUP also volunteer with Samaritan's Purse, and they're part of a rapid response team that's going in uh, today to begin to counsel the available families. So I was wondering if it would be all right if we stood together and prayed for that type of situation. Most people that God has put in the to care for people there. So, Father, uh, today, uh, we pray, first of all, that your comfort would surround so many families. Yes. We pray, Father, that in the midst of this tragedy, people would sense your love, that they would sense your presence. And those that don't know you, Father, might be open to your kindness and faith. And uh, we uh, just pray for your peace and comfort on all of the families affected. But we also pray today for the first responders and those who are providing counseling and those who are caring for hurting people. We pray, Lord, for grace. We pray for strength, we pray for wisdom, we pray that you would use them in that difficult time. Bless them, we pray, strengthen their hands. And Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that you speak to our hearts this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a very special day for Sarah, as we already mentioned, and uh, because we see the hand of God for the lives of Nathan Sarah. Here today. You know, when some people seek ordination, I wince a little bit because I don't see the calling and I don't see the gift. But with Nick and Sarah, there's been no question that God is at work in your lives, that God has called, that God has gifted you. And then you've done your part. You've uh, you pursued education and you've prepared yourself and you, your character has been stellar. And all of those things just make this feel so ready for us today. So we're glad to be part of this. Well, Ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 4. Turn in your iPhone, turn in your iPad. You're still analog, you can turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 4. Just to give you the context while you're looking those verses up. Moses is tending sheep in the Midian desert for his father in law, Jethro. And he comes across a bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. And he's like, I'm take a closer look. Why isn't this bush being consumed? As he gets close to the bush, God speaks to him from the bush and says, Moses, don't come any closer. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground that you're standing on. And it was holy ground because of the presence of the Lord. 
And then God calls Moses to be the emancipator of his people, Israel, to be the one that will lead them out of Egypt, out of 400 years of bondage and slavery. But Moses isn't easily convinced. Moses is concerned that Israel won't believe that God has really sent him to be the emancipator. And that's where we'll pick up the story in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, but Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if the Lord, what if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw the staff down, and it turned into a snake, and Moses jumped back. And then the Lord told him, reach out, grab it by its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him, and then they will believe that the Lord, the God of Francis, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has really appeared to you. And then God shows Moses another sign, but Moses still isn't convinced that he's the right man for the job because he's got a slow speech. I don't know exactly what that means, if he had a stutter or a stammer, or if he just wasn't a good public speaker, but God agrees that his older brother Aaron can work alongside him as a spokesman. Look it up again in verse 17. And God says, And take your shepherd's staff with you, and use it to perform the miraculous signs that I have shown you. So Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses said. I don't even know if they're still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Gideon, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all those who want to kill you. Died. I remember the last time Moses was in Israel was 40 years ago when he was one of the murders. And uh, they said, all those people have died. And by the way, Moses is 80 years old at this point. So Moses took his wife and his sons and put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. And note this, and in his hand he carried the staff of God. Verse 29, it says, Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt, called all the elders of Israel together. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. And then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. And when they had heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshipped. The question that God asked Moses at the burning bush was, what is that in your hand? And what was in Moses' hand was an ordinary shepherd's staff. The shepherd's staff was usually a branch from a hardwood tree. If the shepherd could find just the right kind of branch, sometimes it might have a hook on the end of it. But in the Indian wilderness where Moses was, he probably had to make do with what he found. No doubt in the long, monotonous hours of tending sheep, shepherds had time to carve and whittle their staffs into a customized piece of sheep tending. But over time, the staff would be worn smooth by the shepherd's hand. The shepherd's staff was a practical tool. It was a walking stick for the shepherd who rugged in the rugged terrain of the Indian wilderness. It could be used to protect sheep from predators. It could be used to guide sheep on a certain path or guide them away from another path. It could be used to rescue a sheep that maybe got caught up in a thicket or maybe fell over an embankment. And it could be used to discipline a wayward sheep from time to time. 
The shepherd's staff was a universal identifier of shepherds. No other professions use shepherd's staff. So if you saw somebody carrying a shepherd's staff, you read away what their occupation was. In our text, when Moses threw down his ordinary, everyday shepherd's staff, it was an act of surrender to God. And in that moment, the staff of Moses also became the staff of God. The staff was used to convince the people of Israel that God had called Moses, but the staff was also used to confront Pharaoh. You find that in Exodus chapter 7. We find that Aaron and Moses get an audience with Pharaoh, and they go in and, and say, God is wanting you to let the people of Israel go. And of course, Pharaoh wasn't happy to lose three million labor slaves, and so he said, no, they're not going anywhere. So Moses throws down his staff, and it becomes a serpent. And uh, Pharaoh said, well, I can do better than that. So he has the sorcerers all throw down their staffs, and they all become serpents. But Moses' staff swallows up all of the other staffs. Moses picks it back up, and again, becomes the staff of Moses. Pharaoh's heart was hard, and refused to let the children of Israel go. A few verses later, we find God saying that the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard and stubborn, and he still refuses to let people go. So the Pharaoh in the morning, as he goes to the river, stand at the bank of the Nile and meet him there. He shouldn't take on the staff that turned into a saint. Moses is instructed by God to strike the Nile with his staff, and the river turns to blood. And then God says, hold up the staff. And all of the rivers and the canals and the ponds and the reservoirs, and even water that's held in pots in people's houses turns to water. Pharaoh's heart remains hard. So Moses raises up the staff, God's instructions, and brings frogs over the entire land. And the Bible talks about how the dead ones were gathered out in the sanctuary in the high heaven. And then he raised his staff again, stroked the ground, and the dust turned into the cats. Flying bugs, no seeing for us. And then Moses lifted up a staff towards the sky and towards the thunder and hail and lightning, and it's as never in the history of Egypt that there been as much devastating hail. And Moses lifted a staff over Egypt and brought an east wind, and the locusts formed dense clouds and covered the whole land. There were numerous other plagues, and finally, finally, Pharaoh relents and allows Israel. To leave and almost immediately, they find themselves in a predicament. They find themselves handed by mountains on either side, the uh, Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh having now changed his mind pursuing them. And Moses cries out to God, What does God say? Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, lift up your staff, and raise your hand over the sea, divide the waters so that the Israelites can walk through on dry ground. Sometime later, in the journey through the desert, there's no water. And Moses cries out to God, and what does God say? Get your staff, get your staff. The one that you use to strike the water of the Nile. Strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. So Moses struck the rock as he was told in water, gushing A little while later, there is the battle of the Amalekites. And Moses is on a hill overlooking the battle that Joshua is leading, and he's lifting up the staff, but he notices that when he lowers the staff, that the Amalekites prevail in battle. And he lifts it up, 
Gosh, I don't know if he was kind of going back and forth, but anyways, uh, Moses was getting tired, and a couple of his wingmen came along and said, Moses, we need to help you put a rock on your head. We'll help you hold up the staff of God. And as they did, they wanted to be able to out that. There's one other mention of the staff of Moses, and that's in Numbers chapter 20. As Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin, again, there was no fresh water. The Israelites were rebelling against Moses and Aaron. And in Numbers chapter 20, verse 8, God says, Take the staff and assemble the entire assembly as people watch. Speak to the rock, and it will pour out its water. It will provide enough water to satisfy the whole community. So Moses did as he was told, and he took the staff, this is important, from the place where it was kept before the Lord. You know, the anointing is worth starting Numbers 20 and verse 10, it says, Then he and Aaron, some of the people, come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. He was a little angry there. Must we bring water from this rock? And then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out, and the entire community rang through the Moses was instructed to take the staff, but God specifically told him to speak to the rock. Now, there's lots of theological implications there, and you can sort that out for you. That's not my job today. <laughs> but I want you to notice in Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, it says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not leave them into the land by your living You see, Moses misused the authority that God had given him. He got the immediate results they were looking for. Water on rock, there were severe consequences for the abuse of spiritual. So let me try and land this and pull this together with some kind of application. The staff of Moses was made of ordinary wood that Moses likely found in the wilderness. In the scriptures, wood is always a type of humanity. And I would suggest to you that the staff of Moses represents our common humanity. We, like Moses, are ordinary people. We're flawed and imperfect human beings. Yes, redeemed by the blood, but flawed and imperfect and stumbling heaven for most days. Moses threw down his staff at the burning bush of God's command. It was an act of obedience and an act of surrender. When Moses surrendered his life to God and God's plan and God's purpose for his life, the staff of Moses became the staff of God. Folks, when we lay down our lives and become followers of Jesus, it's an act of obedience and an act of surrender. And when we surrender our humanity to God, He can use us in extraordinary ways. And in the same way that Moses' staff was a powerful weapon against Pharaoh, so the power of God at work in our lives can be a powerful weapon against the kingdom of darkness. The anointing of God in our lives can also enable us to accomplish great exploits with God when we use it according to his But as Moses discovered, misusing the anointing of God can have significant and severe consequences. Next, I just want to say a couple things. On a firm and following the gift of God. Through spiritual formation, much of which took place in this very church. And through education, you're one of my students, and we're a good student for and you were diligent, and you prepared yourself well for the state. You honed the staff well. You sanded off some of the rough ends. You weren't open. 
most of the meat about Sandok. <laughs> and I commend you for doing that. Though with all due respect, apart from the anointing of God, you're nothing more than a finely crafted shepherd's staff. <coughs> but with God's anointing, there are no limits to what God can do through you. Guard the anointing, don't misuse it. <clears throat> the staff of Nick will be the staff of God. <laughs> Bless you. I wonder if the key to making Sarah come to the front, Sarah. Yeah, good. Let's just stand together here. We call Sarah up as well because. Nick, this is your ordination, but you guys know you do life together, right? Yeah, you carry the burden together, and we acknowledge that. We, we clearly acknowledge that. You are a vital, vital part of this ministry team, and we really want you. Thank you. Thank you for your gifts, and your talents, and your uniqueness, and your blessing, the way that you just stand alongside Nick and do life together in the ministry together. Thank you. Pastor Nick, we're honored to say publicly recognize the gifts in your life and the calling upon your life. And while we are all called to ministry, in the body of Christ, we recognize that the Bible clearly teaches that some are set apart as leaders and key influencers within the local church. And we acknowledge this day as leadership, as a congregation, as family, as friends, that you are such an individual. We affirm your gifting as a pastor and your ability to nurture, to teach, and to love, listen, Pray, lead, and you just do it naturally. You do it naturally because you're wired up for it and you're called to do it. We affirm your willingness to use your gifts in obedience to Christ for the furtherance of His kingdom. Thank you. You could use your gifts in many ways, but you've chosen to use them for the furtherance of the kingdom. We affirm your heart to serve Jesus in His church. People are having a hard service. We affirm your love for the local church. Are they great? <laughs> like you, you don't have to fake that. It's Jesus' love. And we affirm the way that you work with the leadership here. We affirm your ability to work with the team. And we affirm your love for the broader body of Christ, for the ACOP fellowship, churches, and for the kingdom as a whole. We affirm that even. Nick, I, I also want to confirm what you are not. You're not perfect. I know there are gasps all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I want to, I, this, this really important to say on days like this. We, we give you permission to be imperfect. And it's okay. 
You will make mistakes, and God knew this even when he called you. Your ordination is not based upon your ability to be perfect. If that was the case, no one would be ordained. When you stumble, get up, keep going. Just keep getting up. Just keep getting up. I also confirm in terms of what you're not, you're not complete. God will continue to conform you into the image of Christ. Never stop growing. I also confirm that you are not divine. It's so good, isn't it? A long-term mentor of mine, Paul Magnus, said, the majority of Christian leaders do not need to learn to be more spiritual. They need to learn to be more human. Because in our humanness, we acknowledge who is divine. The one who is divine is Jesus. And as Wes spoke so wonderfully about that, dear, it's okay to be human. God knew that when he called you. You're an ambassador of Christ. So I ask you a couple of questions at this time, Nick. Nick, first of all, do you accept this call to the Christian ministry as a call from the Lord? And do you pledge yourself to serve faithfully in this calling to the best of your ability by God's grace and the enablement of the Holy Spirit? And secondly, do you promise to devote yourself to the study of the Scriptures and to, be care to give careful attention to the Word of God in your personal life and in the work of the ministry and to maintain, preach, and teach the whole counsel of God? And lastly, will you give careful attention to your life and witness, being subject in your ministry to the Council of the Local Church and its leadership, as well as to the Apostolic Church of Pentecost, under whose covering you serve? In the name of Jesus Christ and his church, and on behalf of the Apostolic Church of Pentecost of Canada Incorporated, and in response to the confession and promises which you have made in the presence of God and these witnesses, I ordain you as a minister of the gospel and charge you with the responsibilities and the duties of that office. Preach and teach the word of God in its purity and strength. And as called upon, administer the ordinances of the church. Nurture the believers and call sinners to, be, to repentance. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now may God, who has called you to this ministry, anoint you with the Holy Spirit and give you grace and wisdom and bless you in all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to invite um, some to come to the front and we're just going to pray a prayer of dedication over Pastor Nick at this time. And so if you're on the, on the local um, church leadership team, we would invite you to come out the board and elders or if you're on staff. Um, maybe we could just get you to step forward a little bit. If you're Wes, Lois, and Cheryl, and if you're here as a, a ACOP member, we'd love for you to come and participate as well. 
Um, if there are local leaders, local church leaders, um, we'd love for you to come. And uh, again, we I, I know a congregation of friends and family, it would be nice to have everybody up here, um, but it's just a matter of um, not having enough room. <laughs> Are, are, do we, we have parents here as well? It would be wonderful to have parents with us too. Um, yeah, the boys can come up. They're part of this. church, and, um, and then I'm going to pray, and then um, Wes Mills is in prayer with you as well. And there, I, I know that we all, there are many who share words of encouragement and blessing and prophetic words, and I do encourage us to do that, um, but after this, and we'll just move into that, and we're going to have a fellowship time after this, I believe, and so there's going to be lots of time to interact with Nick and Sarah, and congratulate them and bless them with whatever is on your heart. So, come on to the frontier, Nick, and lead us in prayer first of all. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Lord, so thank you, Lord, for Nick and for Sarah. Yes. Lord, we remember the young man who came here so many years ago. And we watched as you worked and ministered through him and to him, Lord, for the journey that he's been on. We thank you, Lord, for the part that this assembly, this family has had in that. We thank you, Lord, for this event we are here today to witness and be part of, Lord, this acknowledgement of your call upon them. We thank you, Lord, for sending this man here, Lord, for raising him up in this body, in this family. And Lord, for them calling you back here to lead us to people. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done in his life. We thank you for what you are continuing to do. And we thank you, Lord, for the plans and the purposes that you have for the future, for our community, for our church, and for our past and family. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this. We acknowledge that today. We are so blessed by you to have me. If you're if you're watching, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but can you just stretch your hand this way? I know again we can't all gather around, but um, let's just believe my faith and bless again. Father, thank you for Pastor Nick and Sarah. Father, thank you for this ordination day. Thank you, Lord, that it's about acknowledging the call that is already there. And we acknowledge that. We do. Thank you for the gift that Pastor Nick is to his church and to your kingdom. And we pray that he would continue to serve well. Father, on this day, may you take him to another level of ministry and influence. And may you continue to use him greatly for your kingdom, for your sake, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you that... Um, for every 
For every need that arises, your grace will be sufficient for him. Thank you that he doesn't lead, he doesn't influence out of his own strength. He influences out of your strength and your abilities and your grace, and you really are sufficient for him and for Sarah. So we bless them together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Nick and Sarah. We thank you, Lord, for the way they prepared themselves and the way that they have carried themselves and their character is stellar. We thank you for that, for their part of this. Lord, apart from your Holy Spirit, apart from your empowerment, there's nothing that they can do. So today we pray for a fresh anointing of your Spirit on both Nick and Sarah. And Father, we pray that you would pour down upon them, Lord, that you would enable them and empower them that you would use them in greater ways than they've been used in the past. Lord, we ask and we invite your spirit to do what only your spirit can do. And we pray to breathe on them today, breathe fresh light, breathe new anointing. Give them great faith and trust you for whatever it is you call them to do in these days, Lord. And so we are being in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of God's Thank